We've been talking about fighting those daily struggles and those daily battles that we have as believers. We recognize that when we come into the kingdom, we are serving a victorious king. We are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. Y'all believe that? And if you don't believe that, we got to start all over. You belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You belong to a king that has already won the victory. He's seated down at the right hand of the father in a position of authority. There's nothing else God is going to do about your situation. He's already done it all. He is seated on the throne. And the son of God, Jesus, is seated right next to him. Now it's our part. But how many of you know when you come into the kingdom, it doesn't feel like you've won? There's still challenges. There's still struggles. There's still these daily battles that we fight within. Jesus won the war without, but we have now these battles within to walk out and to live out everything he made available on the cross and through his resurrection. If he doesn't rise again uh, from that grave on the third day, we're not having this conversation. Then I could preach the message that everybody wants to hear. Just wait until you die and go to heaven and then we'll receive all the promises of God. But that's not the message of the kingdom. That's not the, the, the gospel of the kingdom. That's not the message that Jesus came to preach. We talk a lot about Jesus, but we don't preach a lot about what he actually preached about. He went around giving a kingdom, ministering a kingdom, preaching a kingdom, authority, submission. Oh, man, if we could understand that one. If we could grab a hold that the kingdom doesn't work for us if we're not in line with the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not this little thing that you that you go to uh, when you've reached rock bottom and, and when you've run out of solutions and, and, and it's gotten too hard. The kingdom is not uh, this this thing that you try to attach and, and try to receive all of God's promises. It's something that we fall in line with. It's something that we that we live according to his word daily. And then honestly, you'll see the blessings of God be a byproduct of your living. You won't ever have to ask God for another blessing. It'll be a byproduct of living out his word wow what kind of life would that be if my prayer life was really just about having a relationship with the father and not my come to him with my shopping list my needs you know the bible says enter his gates with thanks enter his courts with praise Enter, not leave. <laughs> we, we, we can leave his courts after we get everything that we want. We leave with thanks and we leave, but enter. That means before I make a plea, before I ask for a blessing, before I'm asking you to do anything in my life, I'm coming in thankful. I'm coming in grateful. I'm coming in praising you regardless of what my situation looks like. I'm thanking you regardless of what's going on around me. I am grateful that you have saved me, that there's breath in my lungs, that I've got a life to live. I've got a purpose and a destiny. You've placed me on this earth for more than just sit around and wait for heaven. You've given me a purpose. What if we started every prayer like that? See, there's an order to things. There's, God is a God of priority. So he says, come in with thanksgiving and praise. Come in. Enter that way. Do that first. Oh, I know. This is challenging. 
I know that this is a lot different. I know that this isn't, this isn't your status quo type of message and your status quo type of... But, but there's a Christianity that we have res, re, resolved to, digressed to. I heard someone make a statement in, the, in a, something I was watching the other day. He said, if Jesus walked in our churches today, we'd have to teach him how to do church. That's interesting. I mean, he'd be like, worship team? You mean everybody doesn't worship, just the people on the stage? He doesn't know anything about worship teams. He'd say, children's ministry? What's children's ministry? I beg the little kids to come, suffer them to come to me, suffer the little children to come to me. He didn't need a, a, a preschool to watch the kids. He didn't need, a, a, you know, Bible curriculum and videos to try to keep them locked in. He could, he could speak right to their spirits. Jesus, with way less resource than we have today. Yeah, we'd have to teach him how we do stuff around here. Amen. Come on. Don't, don't get quiet on me now. You've got to help me preach this thing. Because here's the problem. We have full notebooks, but we're still leading empty lives. I wonder what would happen if the church practiced their Bible as much as they highlighted it. Come on now. We've got all kinds of external stuff that the church puts on to look spiritual. But yet we're dying within believers, Christians that have access to the kingdom of heaven. Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. I'm talking about the war that's going on inside the believer. Could we be losing a battle when Jesus already won the war? This is what we've got to cultivate. This is what we've got to change. And, and that word cultivate means to create culture you understand that culture happens whether you do anything about it or not you can either have the culture that you set or you can have the culture that you become one way or the other you have a culture you can either have the coat you can be a, a, a thermostat or a thermometer you can be the one that's setting the temperature or you can be the one that's just telling it how it is well you know my our marriage is in shambles. We don't have any value for God. We don't even love each other. I mean, we don't, we, you know, we, we just, we don't, that's, that's called culture. And you've allowed it to become that. You see, if, if you want to change the culture, you've got to be intentional. You've got to go against the grain. You've got to be willing to stand out all by yourself because you don't change culture without confrontation. You don't change culture without challenging something. You don't change culture. I'm telling you right now, the, the, the life of the believer should be challenging the ways of the world. Yes. Challenging it. Yes. Not falling in line. And don't get, don't get, don't, don't, don't fall into, well, they're looking at that, looking at that church. They're just dressing like the world. There's a pastor, he's wearing jeans. <laughs> now that, that worship music sounds like that worldly stuff. Give me a break. It's bigger than that. I'm talking about the culture in people's hearts. 
I'm talking about the hatred that emulates from people. Because ESPN highlights every fight that happens on the basketball court, and then we want to wonder why there's so much hatred in our world. We said this before. You cannot change the very thing that you highlight. You can't put a fight on your highlight reel one second and then the next second try to put somebody up there that's talking about race issues and how white people are treating black people horribly. You understand black people are treating black people horribly. White people are treating white people horribly. Rich people are treating poor people horribly. And poor people treat rich people. It doesn't matter. Hatred is hatred. And you can't pick the category of sin you don't like and try to change it without getting all the way to the root of the problem. Because race issues are hate issues, period. And until you get the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, you'll never be able to project love the way God has told us to project love. You'll never be able to love your enemy as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. Most people don't even love themselves. That's why they treat everybody else so horrible. There's a root issue. It's within it's not the stuff on the outside. In Mark chapter 5, last week we talked about the woman at the well. Talked about the woman at the well and how she was well hopping. Right? Because that's what we think. Oh, there's something wrong with the well. Problem is, you are the one that keeps going to the well. <laughs> so Jesus was having a conversation with this woman, trying to help her see it's not the well's problem, it's your problem. He said, if you could get a hold of the water that I have, it would, you wouldn't need a well anymore. You'd have a spring that would give you everything you need, and you would quit relying on relationships, and you would quit relying on money, and you would quit relying on, on fame, and you would quit relying on Facebook likes, and you would quit relying on how well your kids are doing. you quit relying on all this external stuff because you'll realize there's a well on the inside. I don't need people to, to gratify me. I don't need people to justify me. I don't need people to validate me. I've got a well on the inside. Treat me nice. Thank you very much. Say nothing to me and disregard me. I got the well on the inside. I don't need to keep running to wells. I got a spring of living water coming from the inside. That was her issue. She was losing a battle within, but she was trying to change everything externally while losing internally. We saw that she had a prejudice against Jesus. How is it that you being a Jew, how is it that you, being a man, how is it that you, ask a drink of me, how is it that you, and that's what we do in life. We put up these prejudice walls. I'm not talking about race right now. I'm just talking about prejudging. Prejudging what you can get out of something before you've ever even heard anything they say. Prejudging what somebody could speak into your life. Because of what they look like or because of their past or because of their makeup or their DNA. We saw that she had uh, she had an issue with preference. She wanted it her way. And I tell you what, this is more damaging in the church than we want to allude to. 
and that we want to allow ourselves to think that our preferences, that's, I, I, I've, I've really become illuminated to this lately because I, I don't want to have a preference that robs me of God's purpose. I don't want to have a preference. Well, this is the time that I like to do it, and this is the people that you can use, and this is how much money you've got to happen. And, 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 and ultimately, we sacrifice God's will for our will. I don't want to live that kind of life. I don't think that we win within with our preferences. I, I think you have to recognize that God is going to do a work in your life, but he may not use the people you want him to use, and he may not do it at the time you want him to do it, and he may not do it how you want him to do it, and it may not be in the timing that you think is perfect for you. You may think that it's at the last straw. I've, I, God, you should have showed up yesterday. We, we can have all these instances, but God is trying to do a work that only he can do, and we keep running to wells to fix the problems that he So when we fix these things, we can change the source. Because if we continue to go to the wrong source, we'll always end up with the wrong product. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And so God is trying to change our routines. God's trying to change how we see things, not necessarily our situation, but how we see the situation, because I've discovered that many of the things we complain about, God has allowed in our lives to teach us and to grow us and to develop us and to prune us. And while we are resisting the challenge, God is saying, unless you go through the challenge, you will not become what I need you to become. You will not grow. You will not cut off the things that I need you to cut off. I'm going to tell you right now, no matter how long you've been in this church, whether it's been two weeks or, or six and a half years, if we haven't yet, it, it will come. We will deal. We will confront. We will hit on an issue that you don't want to touch. Not we as in our church. We as in the body of Christ. As in God's, see, this, this church is not, if you're here to play games, if you're here just looking for a comfortable seat on a Sunday morning to play your little religious stuff, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong house because this is a place where people grow. This is a place where people struggle, but this is a place where you can find answers to the struggles. And many times this is the very place people that struggle run away from because church, we've created the monster. We've taught them that you can't come here with your struggles and you can't come here with your issues and you can't come here with your broken relationship and you can't come here with all the stuff that you do Monday through Friday. But we're trying to tell you that this is the very place you need to be. We're dealing with real issues in this house. I get phone calls. I set meetings for real issues. I don't have time for the religious patty cake. I don't have time for the mamby pamby me try to speak into your life and make you feel like you've already got it all together. I need to spend time with the people that recognize I'm failing, I'm struggling, I'm broken, and I need Jesus. I've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. Can you help me? And they're next to you. They're in your cubicles. And they're on the highway next to you. And they're in the vehicle right next to you. And they're at your kids' soccer games and baseball games. And they're working right alongside you. People that need Jesus. But we've closed our doors to the wrong people. And we've opened them 
to the wrong people. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea. The other side. We all have another side. You brought your Sunday side today. But we all have another side. And sometimes you've got to go to the other side to confront what's on the other side. I mean, they're really not that far from where they came from. They came from Capernaum, and now they're <clears throat> over in the gatherings, the, the, the uh, gatherings here, the country of the gatherings. But they're just on the other side of the sea. I mean, a, a boat ride, you're talking a couple hours. And sometimes our other side is, is that close. It lives that close to us. A, a, a lot of believers, we live right on the edge. We do just enough to cover up the other side. But we have other sides. There's a side that only your spouse sees. There's a side that only the people at work see. There's a side that only you see. Then they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, with a demon, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. Not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken to pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. Look at this. They're trying to control this man. They're trying to, 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 to shackle him, bind him up. This is how wild, this is how out of control he is. This is how broken this man is. A, a man with an unclean spirit, a man with a demon, a demonic spirit, demon possession. Now, I, I don't want you to fixate on that because what you'll do You'll do one of two things. You'll disconnect from the rest of this message because you're going to say, well, I don't have a demon. Or you're going to start thinking about someone that does. <laughs> I, I'm going I'm to urge you, I'm going to encourage you today throughout this message. Do not think about someone else that needs this word. Do not disconnect. Because we may not have physical demons. But there are issues within that control us and drive us to dead, empty places like living in a tomb. It goes on to say that uh, the chains had been pulled apart by him. The shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, always. Night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. In essence, we're, we're all this person at many times. 
I heard someone minister this message just this past week, not this message, but minister on this story. And I was, as I was listening to the minister this, about this word, God started bringing stuff that I said, we, we've got to go there. Not what they were preaching. They were on a completely different subject. But God started showing me things that I knew in this series, this is how we're going to see people set free. Because we need freedom. But these chains, recognize this, these chains and these shackles represent a natural way to control a spiritual problem. And many times when we see a struggle or issue in our life, our first line of defense is to control it. Our first line of defense is to shackle it up, right? I mean, I, I, I'm dealing with this addiction in my life, and so I, I, I've, I've got to find a way to control it. How, and, and, and we always run to natural means. We always run to how we can do it in a natural way, to try to cut ourselves off. But, but without raising your hands, how many of you have found that that doesn't work? You continue in the pattern and you continue in the cycle and, and you end up breaking the chain that you thought was going to control and bind, not you, but bind the addiction, the problem, the struggle, the battle within. It might be pride. It might be pornography. It might be alcohol. It might be validation from people. Whatever that thing is that you continually run after. You're controlled by it. And we try to find natural means, natural ways to break a spiritual problem. The demons on the inside, they can't see the demon. They just see the man controlled by the demon. And see, people that see you, they don't see the problem, but they see the result of what the problem's doing in your life. They don't see the pornography addiction, but they see what it's doing in your marriage. They don't see the, the, the alcohol abuse, but, but they see what it's doing to your life and to your work life and your tardiness and your lateness and, and your lack of work ethic. They don't see the depression, but they see what it's producing in your life. They see the outside results of it. And many times this is what we do, even church people. We try to control them. We try to control the issue. We try to put chains and shackles, natural means to control a spiritual problem. Now, you can't deal with an inward issue unless you have the power to deal with the inward issue. You can't deal with the root of the problem Unless you have the power. And see, the world has gotten really good at medicating spiritual problems. The world has gotten really good at offering a pill and offering a solution and offering a, a bankruptcy and offering whatever they think they can come up with. But there are just some issues that are going to require the power of God. There are just some issues in our lives. That it's not going to work. Trying to get 
an accountability partner. It's not going to work to just implement some natural way of changing something. It's not going to work. I, I have seen people try to break addictions using another natural means. Drug addictions, alcohol addictions, tobacco addictions. We've had people in our church that have decided on their own. Because, see, I don't, I don't tell people what to do unless the Holy Spirit tells me. I don't go to someone and say, you need to quit doing that. I don't do that because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And many times we want to do the Holy Spirit's job for him. They, they have the Holy Spirit living on, in, on the inside. And guess what? He's talking to them. And usually if God prompts me to speak with someone about an issue, I'm the second one to talk to him about it. So I just come in and confirm, so the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you on this. Where are we at with that? What are we going to do? All for the sake of restoration. We want all that God has, but we want to keep all that we have. We all come into the kingdom with stuff that we want to get rid of, but then we also come into the kingdom with the stuff that we enjoy. I don't, I'm not really willing to give that up. And I, I, I've seen people try to combat tobacco addictions by using another natural substance. And I'm sure it works. I'm sure it's got proven results. But there are some things in our life that God is wanting to get rid of, and he has the power to do it. He has the power to set you free. What's interesting to me, what's interesting to me in this passage Let's keep going. I don't want to get too far myself. It's interesting, though, I promise. Verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Look at this. These demons are coming to Jesus. Sometimes I think the demons respond better than we do. I mean, demons in the Bible knew to come straight to Jesus. They knew he was in charge. They knew he had authority. They knew that they, it was, this was about to go down. The man with the plan. I wonder why when anybody else showed up, they didn't have the same response. I wonder why these demons felt so comfortable to be around all these other individuals. That they never felt like there was going to be a problem. But now these demons, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And the man comes running. Jesus didn't go run over there and find this man and say, where is he? Where is this guy? I've been hearing him cry out. I've been hearing about this guy. Where, where is he? I'm looking for him. He just gets off the boat. And the demons come to him. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. He's in authority. He's in charge. Jesus showed up in this planet not as a religious leader, not as some religious scholar, not as some preacher. He showed up as a man in a position of authority and a man in a position of power. And demons came running to him and saying, please, they start begging. He cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? There's absolute recognition there is no confusion i think you're jesus i've heard about you this demon these demons know 
This is Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. That's so interesting. This demon comes running to Jesus. I wonder what would happen if we had that same response. Rather than resisting and rejecting and not allowing God to touch our stuff and not allowing God to get all up in our business, if if we came running to him and saying, whatever it is that needs to change, whatever it is that needs to go, whatever it is that's going to make me better and make me walk out the purpose that you have, just tell me what it is and I will do it. These demons were more obedient than a lot of Christians. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. A large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Why? He's a man of authority. They can't do anything until he says you can do it. Jesus gave them permission. I wonder what would happen if we gave Jesus permission in our lives. The unclean spirits went out, entered the swine, and the herd ran violently. There were about 2,000. The herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Skip down to verse 15. They they came to Jesus. Saw the one who had been demon-possessed. Had been. See, when Jesus takes care of the internal, he also takes care of the external. He had been demon-possessed. And had the legion, watch this, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. This man, all this time, and first off, can I just say this? Many of us become like this man because we wait to do something drastic about the issue. Until it becomes drastic. Why do we wait until we've hit rock bottom to cry out to God to hand over? Why do we try everything else before we let him in our lives? Uh, Several years ago, we did an outreach in our church in St. Augustine for Halloween. And we we presented uh, this... uh, You know, it was a drama called Legion based on this man. But we showed about a a 30 minute, 45 minute video clip of Bible doesn't tell us of how he got this way. And it showed all these. we, We started when the man was a little boy and how his father didn't care for him and all the psychological issues that show up with that and then things that happened in his teenage years and then things that happened in his marriage and things that he began to to go to until he becomes legion cast out 
excluded, living in the tombs. And then it went to a, a, a live drama with Legion there, and then Jesus comes and heals him. I don't, I don't know what it is that we build up. I mean, through this series, I've just been giving a lot of attention myself, even to the psyche of a person, the psychological side of an individual, of, of the, the battles that we wage within. We, we said last week that denial is the thief of progress. It's not until we become honest. It's not until we get down to the truth. It's not until that we begin to really dig deep. You can change the plants above the soil all you want, but it's not until you start dealing with the root in the dirt where no one sees and it's hidden and it's dirty to get down there. And you got to get on your hands and knees and you got to start dealing with stuff that, that at first doesn't even seem like it's changing anything. Nobody's even going to see if I change this route. Nobody's even going to know if I deal with this issue. But eventually the fruit will come forth. If you don't deal with the root, you'll never get the fruit. This man had some root issues. Root issues that got him to this place. To this place where even man's strategies, man's opinions, man's ideas, man's solutions, man's medications could not help him. Couldn't do anything for him. The interesting part that I alluded to earlier is all these people... We're trying to control him. Trying to control the issue. Trying to bind him. And in fact, it says there that no man could bind him. He had become so strong. And that's how we get sometimes that there's nothing that naturally that will cure, that will heal, that will set us free, that, that will be able to control. You've tried it all. It's not working. You're trying to control it. But this is the interesting part. Jesus shows up and he doesn't try to control the man. He tries to free the man. What the man needed was not someone to control and not someone to bind and not another gimmick and not another scheme and not another solution and not another man-made shackle and chain. To, well, if you, just do, if you just read your Bible enough, you'll, you'll do it. And if you just go to church enough, you'll, you'll make it. And if you just, you know, do all the right things and say all the right prayers. And if you just, you just pray enough, if you just do all these things, that's controlling. And Jesus didn't come to control. He came to set free. He didn't come to bind. He came to break the chains off. He came to set the man. Nobody. This is the first time this man is confronted with someone that walks up on the scene and says, Whoa, wait a minute. We don't need to control this. We need to set it free. There's somebody on the inside that is stronger than what you see on the outside. And if we could set him free, you won't need to control it. 
any longer. You need freedom in your life. You need freedom to quit looking at that stuff at night. You need freedom to quit talking to people like that. You need freedom to walk in love instead of hate. You need freedom in your life to break off the chains that have been with you all your life. You need freedom, not control. You don't need another chain. You don't need another shackle. You need someone to step in and deliver you from the thing on the inside because what's greater is in you, it, what, is, what is in you is greater than what's on you. I don't care what people tell me that they do or how horrible their lives are if you only knew. Because my God's greater than all of it. But you've got to yield. Now, here's the thing. You don't control the flesh. You kill it. You don't control the desires. You slaughter it. You cut its head off. Now, I'm not eliminating personal responsibility, and I'm not eliminating that there are things that you need to implement in your life that will keep you from going down certain paths. I mean, my gosh, if you can't keep from looking at the stuff, put the computer in the middle of the living room where everybody could see. Get rid of it. Use a flip phone. I'm serious. People do not want to put measures in their life, and then they wonder why they keep getting the same result. If you keep ending up in debt, quit using the credit card. Cut it up. Oh, I just need a financial breakthrough. I just need God. No, you don't. You need some discipline in your life. I'm not removing personal responsibility. I'm saying that it doesn't start there. I'm saying that God has measures that we don't have. I'm saying that God can do something inside of a man that nobody could do for you. They can't talk you through it. You don't need another discipleship meeting. You don't need another counselor or therapist. You don't need another uh, drug. You don't need another medication. You need Jesus. He came to set free. He came to deliver. He came to break chains. In Romans chapter 6. Look at what this says in Romans chapter 6. Verse 1, well then, should we keep on sinning that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? This is, this is in the New Living. Of course not. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty straightforward, black and white. Since we have what? Died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. If I could have the worship team come. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also, we also. I thank God that Jesus rose, but he rose so he could resurrect me too. We also can live new lives. We also can live free. We also can live out of bondage and in the light, out of darkness and in light. We also. 
God, help us see this. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful lives were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. I'm here to tell you today that sin does not have power in your life. But here's the issue. Whatever you feed gets stronger. We were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also, we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. But see, the problem is, is we never die to sin because we never come alive in Christ. You can't have one without the other. What this man needed was not someone to just come in and highlight the problem and try to control it and try to put another chain and another shackle and another medicine and another meeting and another talk and another this and another that. What the man needed was to recognize that there's something on the inside of me that is alive. And if I can bring life to that, I will never run back. Do not let sin control the way you live. Guys, this is so clear. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely If you would give yourself completely to God, then there's nothing left to give to sin. If you would give him all, you know, he asks for all, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Give him, quit salvaging a little bit of strength to do it your way. And quit saving a little bit of your mind to think about it the way you want to think of it. And quit trying to give him all of it. Because what you try to set aside to do yourself ends up being given to the flesh, ends up being controlled by sin. Give him all of it. Full sacrifice. Give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's you. That's you. Go back to Mark chapter 5. God wants to set some people free today. 
and, and, and you have worked as hard as you can. You have tried as hard as you can. You have, you have put the shackles. You have bound. You have controlled. You have, you have tried to shut it out. You have tried to do all the natural measurements you can, and it's not working. You're still struggling. You're still failing. You're still falling back into it. I'm here to tell you today, there's still hope. There, there, there's, still, there's still hope. Because I know the chain breaker. I know the one that breaks chains. I know the one that Jesus isn't coming in trying to give you something else to do and trying to give you another way to control it and another way to doctor it and another way to medicate it. You, you, your, your thoughts just keep going. How, how do I control my thoughts? How do I? And he's saying, you can't. There's nothing you can do. But I, I, by my power, by my resurrection power, I can break the chain off of you. I can set you free. I'm telling you, the same Jesus, this man had a legion. Some say that a legion was an army 6,000 strong. Not just one. 6,000. And Jesus set him, clothed him, put him in his right mind. It says there in, in, in verse 15, they came to Jesus. They saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. I'm telling you, God can do a work in you. People won't even recognize you. People will look at you and they will visibly see something different. Hey, you, you don't, you're not, you're not anxious anymore. You, you, I mean, aren't you concerned about this? No. No. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer. Supplication with think No, I'm, I'm not anxious. He, he will turn depressed people into the most joyous people. I mean, God, God doesn't do anything halfway. He wants to do it all the way. He wants to, he wants to com- completely alter. You once were prideful, and now you're the most serving person there is. And, and they're like, dude, you're freaking me out. Why, you, why, why do you want to buy my lunch? What are you talking about? We, we, you didn't want to hang out with me yesterday. Now, now, you, now you want to take care of my stuff? Now, now you want to help me? What are you, what are you talking about? God will completely move you to the other side. says, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. (laughs) Shows you what the people really cared about. You can't be surprised when the people that used to get on to you about your issues, when you change, they don't really care for the new person. They don't really care for this new person that's got joy all the time. They, they don't really care for this person that's always wanting to help out and asking me if, if they can buy stuff for. They, they don't really care for this new person that doesn't, uh, you know, have to, uh, uh, you know, hear how good of a job they're doing and slaps on the back and thank yous all the time. They don't really care for this new person that doesn't have to be validated all the time. They don't really care for that. Don't be surprised when people don't respond to your freedom. Now watch this. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him 
that he might be with them. Sounds honorable. And we know that Jesus is all about followers. We know that he's got disciples. You would think that Jesus would say, heck yeah, dude, man, you're awesome. Uh, You know, God set you free. Come with me, man. I mean, that's a walking testimony right here. I want everybody to see this. Come travel with me. But that's not Jesus's response. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, watch this, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Many times when God does the work on the inside, our first instinct is one to eliminate the stuff on the outside. And God is saying, no, 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 you don't need a new marriage. You don't need a new situation. You don't need a new house. You don't need a new job. You don't need a new uh, situation. Go, you can go right back to the same mess. Go right back to the same struggle. Go right back to the same str- But because of what I've done on the inside of you, you will be a different person and you will change what surrounds you. Sure, it would be easy to just be removed completely from the things that tormented him from the beginning. I'm sure there's a lot of memories back home. I mean, what friends does he really have? Going back to the things that cause the depression. Going back to the things that cause the anxiety. Going back to the things that cause the struggles and issues. And Jesus is saying, you can go back into it and you can change what's around you because I have changed what is within you. You don't need a new situation. God wants to do a work that only he can do. God wants to do a work that only he can do. God wants to do a work that only he can do.